Hey, welcome everybody to the Financial Independence Podcast, the podcast where I interview personal finance experts to find out how they got to early financial independence. Uh, today's interview is unlike any interview I've ever done, uh, so I'm very nervous but also excited. Um, I'm nervous because uh, for the first time ever I can actually see my guests. <laughs> uh, they're sitting right next to me, and it's pretty scary. Um, not only that, this is taking place on a big Trade King stage in the center of uh, the Financial Blogger Conference in Charlotte, North Carolina. So there's actually other people looking at us. Uh, the Frugal Woods are dancing right now. Uh, so um, so uh, I'm excited, though, because these are two good friends of mine. So this interview is going to be a lot of fun. Um, and since they're just staring at me as I say all of this, uh, I'll hurry up and introduce uh, Mr. and Mrs. 1500 from 1500 Days. Yay! <laughs> hey, Brad, it's awesome to be here. We've been trying to put this together for like, it seems like 10 years now, and I've only been blogging for two years, so I know that there's no way that could be correct. But I know, yeah. It's, it's awesome to finally get around to it. Oh, no, thank you guys for doing it. Um, yeah, we. Uh, the benefit of having uh, financial blogger friends is you get to trade a lot of really interesting emails uh, between each other, so we've uh, we've had some really good emails going back and forth, and we, I, I've been hesitant to talk about any of it because I'm like, well, let's just let's just do a podcast. So uh, finally made it happen. So uh, in case anybody doesn't know about your site or hasn't been to 1500days.com, uh, can you guys just tell a little bit about yourself and how you uh, started on the path to financial independence? Yeah, that's a great question. But before we begin, I want to state for any of the hotel officials that may be in the crowd, this is Pliny the Throat Lubricant. It has nothing to do, to do with alcohol uh, of any, in any way. So Yeah, the, the, the 1500s were kind enough to bring probably one of the best beers ever made. Throat and, medicine. Uh, Pliny the Elder, and we are using that to make this less awkward for ourselves. So. <laughs> Except while Pliny the Elder is a delightful choice if you are a pale ale fan... I am not. Sorry, Pliny. So I am paying homage to uh, Brandon's home state of Vermont yes. by drinking woodchuck hard uh, throat lubricant. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? No, nothing, the, the interview is just going to keep getting better and better. There's no doubt. So, uh, so yeah, tell a little bit about your site and uh, how you got started. Yeah, so way back, I, I had no, no plans to be a blogger or a writer of any type. And back in about October of 2013, I had a miserable day at work. I'm a computer programmer. October 2012. October 2012, I'm sorry. Mrs. 1500 with the first correction. So I had a terrible day at work, and the first thing I thought, it was miserable. I thought I was going to get fired. It, it turned out not to be as bad as I thought it would be. But at the moment, I'm like, there's no way I can do this for the next 24 years of my life till I'm 62. It would it'd just be misery, way too stressful. So I Googled something like, how do I retire early, or uh, how do I quit my job? And the first thing that popped up was Mr. Money Mustache, and... It was one of the epiphanies of my life. Here was a guy telling you that you didn't have to work till 62 or 65. If you if you tweak your life right, you could work till you're 30, like he did. If you had planned early, I was already 38, so that wasn't possible. So I, I, I ran the numbers. Uh, actually, the first thing I did is uh, I ran the numbers and figured out how long it would take. And then I thought, Mr. Money Mustache is awesome. And since there's only two personal finance blogs, Mr. Money Mustache and Getting Rich Slowly, we should totally write about this. It's going to be a niche. So I'm, I'm glad Mrs. 1500 is here because she comes into the next part of the story. I ran down the stairs from my home office, and I said, hey, I, uh, I wonder." The home office in the bathroom. Yeah, that, which that's, we'll get to a, in a little bit. that's a whole other story. So I, I ran. I said, hey. Uh, I, I want to retire, and if we if we do everything right, we could do it in like four years. And she was completely on board with it. She's like, oh, okay, yeah, that, that sounds great. So then I'm like, and the other thing I want to do is write about it. We should be publicly, we should hold ourselves publicly accountable through a blog. And I was just talking about Mr. Money Mustache, and she's like, Mr. Money, what? What the, <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, it's this guy who said he could retire at 30, and, and we should do the same thing just like him. And she's like, that's the worst idea I've ever heard. <laughs> Isn't that what happened? <laughs> I believe that I, what, I, I believe what really happened was that he came downstairs and said all of that. And I said, I think you'll run out of topics. I think you'll run out of things to talk about because as, you know. Yeah, it's hard. I actually had tried to start a blog a couple of years beforehand. I did um, exactly one post. And the end. <laughs> so you ran out of content after one post. I ran out of content after one post. <laughs> but and you write, you write like, quite a lot on the blog as well. So how are you uh, keep coming up with content? 
you know, you just walk down the street and you're like, there's a blog post, there's a blog post, you have a conversation and you're like, oh my God, that's a blog post. We should write about that. We should write about that. Yeah. We're at this FinCon conference and I've sat in on several presentations and I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, I'm going to write about that and I'm going to write about that and I'm going to quote her here and, you know, frantically taking notes on my phone. It's, you never not have something to say. Yeah. yeah. The crazy thing in my real life, if you know me, I don't like to talk. I'm a quiet, introverted person. I don't like most people. I'm kind of miserable. You can slam me if you want now, Brandon. But, uh, Mrs. 1500 shakes her head. <laughs> but I've got like almost 200 drafts in my draft folder now. So apparently when it comes to the written word, I can't keep my mouth shut. <laughs> oh, it's so. great stuff. I absolutely love it. Uh, yeah, I can't believe the uh, 1500 dinosaurs are actually uh, here with us uh, Enjoying some Pliny of the Other as well. So um, Yeah, if you've seen the blog, we, we do dinosaurs. Um, I'm a goofy guy. <laughs> the one other thing I want to say about the blog is our goal was to have a million dollars and no debt. So that was the number we were, we were reaching to. And we do reveal our net worth on the blog, and people think we're insane for doing that. But um, it's been beneficial. I've only been hit up for money once, and you know, none of you in the audience can have money. You could have some cough medicine if you like. <laughs> no money. Yeah, and so 1,500 days from the day you started the blog, was it? Was it Jan so January 1st, 2013? Is that it? Is yeah, that about it? Yeah, that's correct. And the end date is supposed to be February of 2017, I think. You know, and I don't, it's like the middle of February. I should, of know, February. I should know that date. I thought it was March, yeah. whatever. It My notes matter. say February, so actually, oh, well, I'm it, sorry to side with Mr. So 1500 sorry. on this one. <laughs> Usually you are right. does but. do excellent research, <laughs> meticulously researched is this podcast. Absolutely. So. There's yeah, no stern, stone left unturned. So, um, so you, a million with no debt. So obviously you want to pay off your mortgage and then have a million in investments uh, so that you can live off that. Um, that was the original plan, but then I think it's silly to pay off my mortgage. Our interest rate is so low. My solution to that is to come up with enough money to pay off the mortgage if we chose to, but I'm not actually going to do that because we're the lowest rates in history. I think it would be foolish to not leverage a little bit of debt. That's oh, a I scary phrase, but, uh, hmm. yeah, I'm willing to leverage that. No, I agree. That. Completely agree. Um, so you guys are, like, way far, way far ahead of your goal. It's, uh, what is this? This is only September of 2015, and you've hit the Double Comic Club quite a few times uh, up and down here over there recently. Obviously not with uh, the mortgage paid off or anything, so still have a little bit to go, but uh, you're uh, looking quite ahead of schedule. Yeah, it's not that I check my portfolio every day, but every it's like... Every single <laughs> day. Sometimes, multiple times per day, and that's a very bad habit. Do as I say, don't do as I do. So now it's like... One million thirty thousand and something. See, that was that was research I wasn't able to do. I need to I need to access to my guest's uh, personal capital accounts so that I can uh, get the up to date number. Um, so so you're over a million. Um, so are you starting to gear up uh, to quit the job, or how's that going? Yeah, it's interesting, and you know this might sound kind of strange, but but the hardest thing for me isn't the money part. The money's easy. It's all numbers and math. I, I know the four percent. I for the most part I believe in that. It's the emotional part. I've worked. Since I was uh, 14 years old, I've never had more than a week off of work. And I've got a million things that I plan to keep myself busy, but the emotional part is, is difficult. And, and that's, the blog has been therapeutic in that way. It's helped me think through our thoughts, and, uh, or my thoughts. And my wife is much better adjusted than I which, uh, yeah, ask me if I think he should quit. Do you think he should quit? I think he should quit. I think, I think he should quit, quit today. Yes. I think we should quit today, quit. yes. Yeah. Hear that from the crowd. How awesome is that? A wife who doesn't want her husband to work. I'm, I'm thankful every single moment of my life. Let's pick up the phone and call your boss right now. Let's do it. That would be the best podcast oh I've ever God. created in my life. Oh, we'll do it. But Seriously, Mad Scientist 2 podcast. I'm not right. kidding either. Yeah. No, I because I, you, you're, you're, you're quite stressed out at work, and you're very busy when you are working. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very stressful. It's, uh, I'm a programmer, and I've programmed point-of-sale systems, life insurance, and this is a medical device where if you mess up, you could kill someone. So you don't want to mess up the code. Yeah. No, no point. No, no pointer exceptions. Yeah. So yeah. No kidding. <laughs> um, so uh, so when do you think you'll uh, work up the courage to do it? And uh, I, I completely agree with all your reasons. I I don't know how I'm ever gonna pull the plug. Finally, really. I, I it's something I can't visualize personally. Not soon enough. Do you have any tentative plans? 
Um, it's either going to be this November or a year from this November. I've already told my job that I can only work part-time for the next year if they want me to. If they want me back, I'm a contractor. So if they want me back, it's going to be a part-time situation. We're still talking about that. But uh, if that happens, one year of part-time, and then that will probably be it. And the one thing that scares me a little bit about the whole numbers thing are we don't want to talk too much about numbers, but market valuations are pretty high, too. I think mm-hmm. we're in a high point generally. So long-term, as Mr. Frugal would show me a while ago, Kitsies or whatever that site is, uh, I think my portfolio is probably a little bit inflated, and that scares me slightly. Not that much, though, but... Yeah, no, uh, I, that, I've, uh, there's actually a post that I'm almost done finishing, and uh, it relies heavily on, on Michael's research into safe withdrawal rates and how, um, you know, you can have a pretty good prediction of your next 10 years with, you know, like Schiller's, uh, you know... Yeah, uh, PE and PE 10 and things like that. And it's, there's actually a very strong correlation between uh, the PE 10 and uh, safe withdrawal rates because um, it's the first 10 years of your retirement are the most important. Um, so you're right. It, it, the 4% rule is very robust because it's built on the last, um, you know, it's, it's built on worst case scenarios. It's not like you know, just built on average case scenarios. It's it, it, it's built to last worst case, but as you said, uh, things are high. So, one of the things that maybe people don't really understand, or maybe he doesn't understand. Maybe I should explain to him as well. Well, I guess he knows his job. Um, one of the things people don't really understand about his job is he works from home. He has a 15-step commute to get to his job. He can. He doesn't have to brush his teeth. He doesn't have to change out of his pajamas. So it isn't like he's got a real job where he's got this horrible commute and, oh, if it snows, it's now doubled. And, you know, he works from home, and he's a computer programmer. He's a consultant, so he's – people already know about our numbers because they're on this, the site. But, I mean, he's paid very well for what he does, and it's difficult to walk away from that. And when you grow up – I don't like – I don't like the term poor, but like financially insecure. You know, you didn't, he didn't always have, you know, money just coming in all the time, his parents. Um, so when you grow up without all this money, it's difficult to just walk away from this like giant pile of cash that they're throwing at you and they're like, oh, you want to take another week off? Okay. Exactly. You know, it's difficult to walk away from that. You have a similar situation. Absolutely. I feel uh, like I have a winning lottery ticket and I'm just going to throw right? that away because this is the, yeah, exactly. And, and that maybe, and maybe, you know, Maybe early retirement doesn't have to be the goal all the time. Maybe you work yourself into such a position that you actually enjoy what you do and use your financial independence to demand better terms, better situation. Um, but, yeah, no, I can I completely relate. And it's like, yeah, throwing – I always just think of it as throwing away a winning lottery ticket. It's like, yeah. It's tough. And we have two young children. They're in school full-time, what, nine months a year, eight and a half months a year. So we have to – we have all this – empty time. You know, we can't go away on a trip because we've got the children to pick up after school, but we've got to do something. I mean, you can't just sit around and watch TV all day. I guess you could, but that's not us. Not, yeah, right. Exactly. No, so I, he's yeah. got he's to find something to do. I would love it if he could work like four or five or six hours a day. That would be great for him. So you mentioned part-time. So what, what's that going to look like for you? Yeah. So uh, right now, under the terms of my contract, I have to work about 18, 80 hours a year, and I'm trying to get it down to 1,500. So, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that works out. I'm going to try to have Fridays off and limit myself to maybe 20 or 30, maybe 25 to 30 hours a week. Mm-hmm. So just having one day a week open up would be huge, and we're very busy, so that would just open things up for us. So I hope they bite on that because. Uh, I'm not sure what they do, if they told me it's full-time or nothing. Yeah, do they have a choice? I don't, uh, yeah, I don't know yet. I, I've told them my devious plan, and they haven't agreed to it yet. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. And w- or what about maybe finding some less stressful programming? Like, for me, I no, nobody's lives rely on my code, which I am very thankful for. <laughs> um, so I don't have any of that stress. Um, but I do still enjoy coding, like I'm sure you do, and I'm sure most developers do. So maybe is there any uh, part-time gigs that you could get that aren't your current job? Yeah, and that's a really great thing to mention too, because I love coding. I, I would do it for the, uh, I would do it without getting paid. So one of my goals once I do quit is to code, but code stuff in a language I really want to code in for a product I really want to work in, want to work at, and that my heart's into um, maybe mobile apps or something like that. I haven't yet decided. Um, but, yeah, that's a great point. And maybe some of it will bring money down the road. Maybe it won't. It's okay. 
It, you know, it makes things a lot easier if you're if the main purpose isn't money. It, it moves everything. It changes everything because you can really concentrate on what you want to do and not worry about you've taken the biggest part of the equation out, and I think it kind of sets you free. Absolutely. And speaking of, we, we've already talked about Mr. Money Mustache. Um, I, was, I recently saw him earlier this spring, and I was asking him that question. I was like, I really don't think I'm going to be able to quit because, like I said, it just feels like throwing away a winning lottery ticket. And I, how do I, like, I've convinced myself that I'm happy now because I've worked my way into this, but maybe I would be even happier when I can actually spend time doing other things and I just can't see that. So I was like, when do I finally pull the plug? And he, he recommended removing money completely out of the equation and treat any work as if it paid nothing and treat any spending as if it cost nothing. Um, but I'm not quite there yet because it does pay a lot and it, it's not nothing. And that does, I don't know. So it's, it, it is a very tough situation, but it's, it's, it's a great position to be in, obviously. But Yeah, and that's a wonderful point, too. And that makes me wish I was as well-adjusted as Mr. Money Mustache. Because <laughs> I'm not at his level of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah. Enlightenment, enlightenment. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Money Mustache is far more enlightened than I. So. Yeah, I agree. So um, you've actually just started picking up some part-time work these days as well. Oh, no. Now I'm full-time. Are you? I am. I am So you guys are going the opposite direction. We are. You know, I took off eight and a half years to raise our girls. And now that they're both in school full-time, I need something to consume my days. I mean, I could, you know, we've got, like he said, we're very busy. We've got a lot of little projects. Mm -hmm. And I could finish that up. But then, you know, what? And a job opportunity came up. And I thought, oh, this timing is terrible. It was like in uh, May. Mm Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, this timing is terrible. I'm not going to apply for this job. And I almost didn't even tell him about it. And then I just mentioned it in passing. It was like my favorite website was hiring. I'm like, oh, okay. I would love to work there. And I just, I kept putting it off and I didn't apply. And then somebody asked a question, how long are you going to keep this job open? And they said, we're going to keep it open until we fill it. And I said, oh, okay, I'll apply. And I applied and they called me. They said, oh, let's have a Skype conversation. Let's have, come in for an interview. And I'm like, you know, this timing's terrible. It doesn't work out. And they're like, oh, we'll work with you. You know, you can do part-time over the summer. And then when the girls go back to school, you could be full-time. And it is just, it's my dream job. I get to talk about what I love and do what I love, and they pay me for it. And at this point, I'd like to point out the irony of this situation. Uh, a couple minutes ago, I mentioned that my lovely wife thought blogging was a horrible idea. And now um, I thought you would run out of things to talk about. I did so, never say it was a horrible idea. So, so my blog makes about three cents a day, maybe four cents on a good day. And my lovely wife, who thought, who didn't think highly of my idea to be a blogger, is now paid well to become a full-time blogger, full-time content creator. So Yes, and I never run out of things to talk about. <laughs> I can just talk about it forever. So I guess, I, you know, you hear all the time, find your voice or mm-hmm. find, find your subject. What do you love to talk about? Personal finance. Can yes. you, do, do you ever stop talking about it? Do you ever stop thinking about it? No. And, you know, once you start blogging for a little bit, you're like, yeah, I have 200 drafts in my inbox or in my draft folder, and I'm never going to have to stop talking about it because you know right now i've got 10 blog posts in my head nice. i can't wait to get home and i, I get in the car tomorrow and uh, start typing that's during great our 24 hour marathon drive home all right so now mrs 1500 works so mr 1500 there's even it's free to it's quit free, his job <laughs> even quit, freer quit, to quit. quit i have no excuse so now so <laughs> there are some concerns that you have though because i know we've traded some emails so that that was one of the discussions we were going to have privately, and I was like, well, no, let's, we should have this publicly. Um, so so we, we've, we've already touched on the 4% rule a bit, um, but you're also just concerned about future growth, and maybe the future is not going to be as you know, uh, good as the past was. So yeah. want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, I am not an economist in any way, shape, or form. Again, I'm going to play one on the Mad Scientist podcast for a moment. Uh, you know, I'll tell a story first of all. When I was like, uh, I think around 1992, my great-grandmother died. And I was sitting there all sad and crying. And my mom's like, you should be happy. Look at what happened in her life. She was born in 1900. So when she was born, she was riding around on a horse. Most houses, 2% of houses had electricity in 1900. And she got to see the space shuttle take off. So if you think of what happened in the 20, 20th century, it was huge leaps for mankind. And uh what are some other statistics? I'm going to cheat here and look at my notes. So 
One yeah, yeah, I have to say, Mr. 1500 came with more notes than me, so I was very scared because I was like, he doesn't even know what I'm asking him, and yet he has a page full of notes and a computer with him, so I'm glad I get to find out what's on that paper. Yeah. <laughs> Don't look. Okay, so one in four children died before age five in 1900. Um, if you live to be 21, there was a 50% chance that one of your parents would be dead. In 1918, a flu pandemic wiped out 100 million people, so... You think of how far mankind has come, humankind has come in the 20th century. I believe for the most part in the 4% rule, but the 4% rule is also based on historical data and all these incredible things that happened in the 20th century. So there was in 1927, there was 2 billion people. Now there's 7 billion, and we're going to hit 12 billion by the year 2100. And I think that uh, the 5 billion growth from from uh, 1927 and now is a lot easier than the next five billion that's going to happen over in this century. So, I think humankind has its challenges, and I don't think uh, I don't think the economies will grow as as strong as they did in the past. And I, I've read Munger, Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett, and Jack Bogle seem to say the same thing. Yeah. I think the best times are still ahead of us. I'm not saying things are going to be worse. I just don't think economic expansion will be the same. Perhaps. So, so I agree. I, I don't think it's going to be good for the middle class. Um, you know, they're currently being squeezed out. All the technological advancements are, you know, doing away with most of their jobs. And the consumer that just spends everything he or she earns, um, it's not looking rosy. But if you think about the businesses we invest in, you know, the financial crisis gave them free reign to just be assholes and just start firing people left, right, and center. And it's bad for the worker, obviously, but for profit margins it may be better and uh, as more things get automated what, do you, what would you say to, to something like that yeah and I think you see the results of it now I have no absolutely no interest in getting into a political discussion but you look at uh, Bernie Sanders rise of popularity and I think it's a reaction to what you just said to some of the greed that's going on CEOs making crazy money where, where us where the little guys are getting squeezed down so so the investor class though would maybe benefit from something like that and so those of us who do save quite a bit of money and do invest quite a bit of money maybe maybe that you know reduce reduction in costs will drive future profits at least for a little while or yeah yeah you think of what drives economies it's population growth it's it's technological innovation it's uh it's things like that and i don't see that going away so like you said if you're an investor and invest in these things maybe you you will be okay or better off but uh if so is, is there anything you think we as investors can do to potentially mitigate some of the risks that maybe the future won't be as rosy as the past was? Um, that's an interesting statement. And I want to, before I say anything, I want to say life is so great. Like I said before, 100 million people died of the flu in 1918. People had cholera, polio, smallpox, all kinds of crazy stuff. Now people whine because their cell phone won't, won't last the whole day, so... <laughs> Uh, I, I think times are great, and you should uh, strive to be maybe not focused on the income part, but just try to live a good, frugal existence and uh, try to live on less money and be more sensible. I, I lived in my uh, grandparents' house for a while after they passed, and their house, they thought it was huge. It was 1,200 square feet, and it, it was a mansion to them. And now I don't know what the average house is. I'm sure it's, it might be twice that. So. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, the, uh, I, this is a long time since I did this research, but the average, yeah, the, the house of the 1950s that um, held 2.3 people, I think, is now one person fills that same amount of space or something along those lines. So, yeah, it's just it's insane amounts of unnecessary growth in lots of different, <laughs> in different ways, and nobody's happier because uh, happiness has just remained flat. So, yeah, and, and staying flexible as well, I think... It, you guys, obviously, if you can reach financial independence at the age that you both are, you know, you're flexible, you're resourceful. If things aren't as rosy as you hope they will be, you, you'll no doubt be able to find something to do, as Mrs. 1500 has a job that she loves that she just got, even though you don't need a job. That's a really good point. You know, when you, uh, I think Mr. 1500 said this at one point, that if you work until you're 65 and you've saved and whatever and then you quit working and all of a sudden your nest egg doesn't cover it, you're greeting people at stores that shall be <laughs> unnamed, Walmart. <laughs> so when we run out of money, if, I'm sorry, if, 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 if <laughs> we run out of money. Mrs. 1500 is going on a shopping spree. <laughs> I did just go on a no. shopping spree. <laughs> I spent 200 whole dollars. Whoa. What? <laughs> <laughs> 
Hold on a second. We have to have a conversation. We'll, we'll be right back. You know, if our money were to run out in 10 years, we'll be, um, well, let's say 10 years older than we are now. And we will still be young enough to go out and get jobs. Right. And, you know, we won't have to greet people. And it'll be okay. Right. You know, this early retirement thing is, and it's early retirement is such a stupid word. It's, you know, financial independence is a lot better because we're not going to retire. I mean, I'm just starting to work again after eight and a half years, and I love my job. I don't have any plans to quit. I want to continue to grow. And, you know, I willingly went on maternity leave and never came back eight and a half years ago. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to have children and raise them, but now they're, I mean, she's five. She's not raised, but, you know, she's in school full time. I want to contribute, and I want him to quit. (laughs) Quit your job. Well, what I tell people is that we're going to do what we love. And some of those things might bring in income. They might not. We don't have to worry about it, though. And uh, the 4% rule, if people aren't familiar with it, say you think you need, you need $40,000 to live on. That means you need a million dollars or 4% of, of $1 million. And you hear, a lot of, you hear a lot of hate about that. For every good article about the 4% rule, there's 1,000 that will tell you you're going you're gonna to die if you dare follow the 4% rule. But one thing that I never hear the hater article say is the 4% rule assumes no future income. And all, all of us are going to have income. There's similar hateful, hateful articles about Social Security, but uh, I don't think any American politician is going to let that die. So we already have lots of income that's going to come in when, at some point in our lives. So, Do you factor in Social Security into your calculations, or is that just going to be a bonus? I do not factor it in. I, I, I haven't met any, many, I don't think I've met any early retirees or future early retirees that factor that in. So that's yet another buffer that most of us have that it's like, well, I, I imagine we're still going to get something. Yeah, there's, uh, we have a million backup plans. Uh, I don't factor that our house is going to be paid off in 12 years either. So I've just assumed that our spending is going to be exactly what it is now, but it won't. In 12 years, we'll have $1,150 more a month because that mortgage payment is going to be gone. So. Nice. So could we dive into a little bit of uh, your investments? So what, what, what do you invest in? Uh, I'm scared now. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we recommend index funds. You recommend it, but what do you do? I know Carl has a uh, technology streak through him. Yeah, I practice what we preach. Yeah, I've got a. Uh, I have. I've had some bad habits, and this is embarrassing to admit. But when I started blogging, I didn't even know what an index fund is. Uh, thankfully, I discovered Jim Collins' wonderful stock series. So, so now all, all my investing is that it's it's index funds. But in the past, I would buy stock, and uh, well, I've done say, quite well. Yeah, I'm more lucky than anything. And this is kind of, this is crazy, but some people remember the day when, when Elvis died and some people remember when JFK was shot. I, I remember the day I discovered Google. I was at work and this guy is like, ah, check out Google. It has all your answers. And it was, whoa, Google's awesome. So I bought into that IPO. And the smart thing was I held on to it. I never sold it. Wow. Um, I also thought the iPhone was, was brilliant when it came out. So we bought that January of 27 when uh, Steve Jobs announced it, and we held on to that. So, but uh, I'm not going to call myself out. If I, could, if I could do that over four decades, you can call me brilliant, but just call me lucky for now. But <laughs> I'm, a, a, I'm a total index investor now. If it wasn't for the taxes, I'd probably sell almost all of my individual stock. So what percentage do you say is index versus individual? Uh, I think it's about 400000 and I don't factor in our house into our net worth. Um, it's about 400,000 individual stocks, which scares me because a couple of them, Apple's almost, I think it's $150,000, and so is Facebook. Wow. Uh, again, these are not recommendations in any way, shape, or form. So, yeah, about $400,000 in individual stocks and about 600000 in index funds. Nice. Yeah, so. I, have a, I have a post about all the mistakes I've made coming up, and uh, it's, a, it's in draft state. Um, but it's good that your mistakes have, have been so lucrative, <laughs> whereas mine weren't so lucrative. So. You know, it's interesting. My, my biggest mistakes were always, it's never, I've, I've surely bought losers before. CMGI, Internet Era, look that one up, see what happened to them. But uh, most of my mistakes are just selling things. If I would have held on to half the stuff I sold, uh, I would have been much better off than I am now. So, so do, you, um, do you expect to transition into bonds a bit more after you quit, or what, what's, your, what's your stance on that? Yeah, again, do not take this as advice. I, I, 
As of now, I've, I was looking at my personal capital account, not that I check it every day, but I have about... Every single day. <laughs> out of my million-dollar portfolio that I mentioned, about $27 of it is in bonds, 27.00. So, Wait, how much is in bonds? $27. It's like $27.38. So we don't really particularly believe in bonds all that much? Yeah. Um, what do they, like 0.0% interest or something like that? I mean, they're just... At our very young age, I want to sidetrack for a second. He said some people remember where JF, where they were when JFK died. We are not alive when JFK died. I am not that old. This is the sexiest power couple in early retirement vlogging, so if only you could see them. So, so, so yeah, the bonds question is a very interesting one, and it's something I know I asked you about it recently. I asked Mr. Collins about it, and, and I know you both have opinions on it, so... Yeah, I don't know. One of my favorite quotes is uh, Charlie Munger once said, you shouldn't be in the stock market unless you can tolerate a 50% drop. Because it's happened before, recently, and it will happen again in our lives. And if, if, I, didn't, like if I retired now and there was a 50% drop tomorrow, I'd be down half because I have zero in bonds. So it's, this is still something I'm trying to figure out. I'm going to take a pass on this question. But we have figured out the 4% that we need yeah. based on the 4% rule. And we will continue to have income because that 4% rule, you know, or we've got that, we're at that level. We've got that amount saved up, but I'm working now and I'm making enough to cover our expenses for the year. So we don't have to tap into that at all. It's just going to continue to grow. Exactly. And then next year, same thing. It's just going to continue to grow. And he's going to make, he loves programming computers. He loves talking about computers and cars and motorcycles and he wants beer. to make what? Beer. Beer. And beer. And uh, high quality beer. High quality. Like, Speaking of, uh, you are medicine. out, so uh, we're going to, we can take a quick pause as, as you continue. I will continue to talk, <laughs> and you guys can open that uh, bottle of throat medicine. Throat medicine from Russian River. It's called Pliny the Elder. I don't like it, but they think it's awesome. And we'll. Do you have a? We have an opener here. We have an opener. This is, this is the best is podcast a, ever, by the way. This it's is a, a SoFi opener. Thanks, SoFi. Oh no, no, oh, oh, an oh. unofficial sponsor. Oh no, we. I was trying to get the sound, but we missed it. Oh <laughs> no! Should we stop and re-record? <laughs> no, it's good. We we had some audio effects in there, so. So yeah, so so okay, so if if early retirement, obviously you you guys are in a similar position that I'm in. Like, I can't ever imagine not working or not earning money. Like, like, actually, I was talking to my wife, Jill, about maybe getting a part-time job on weekends just to meet people in our new town that we live in. And I thought, <laughs> that I'm going to be the worst early retirement blogger in the world by getting another job on top of my full-time job that I meant to quit like a year ago. So, um, so and doesn't if, Jill work too? Jill works too, yeah. So we're, we're the worst. So <laughs> I, I can feel where you're, where you're coming from. So has it at least made a huge impact in your life and your psyche as far as building up this money or, or is it still are you just working towards a goal and it hasn't really reaped any benefits yet uh not big enough because he's still working <laughs> i must say that i'm infinitely happier it's it's such a cool thing to be working because you choose to and not because you have to i mean uh, i'm a far far happier person than i was two years ago and it's uh it's funny. I think the key to the whole thing is frugality and, and living the right life. You kind of figure out what's important. And the, the simple frugal life also happens to be the happiest life. Um, we're so happy. It's, uh, it's strange because some of our neighbors think we're poor because I do things like change my own oil and cut my hair. But, man, I, I wouldn't change anything about my life. If I, if I had $10 million tomorrow, nothing would change. I wouldn't do anything different except that maybe I'd have more Pliny the Elder throat medicine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the uh, internet, this is, uh, we're, we're going to help Carl uh, make the transition this year and uh, help Mrs. 1500 out here. Yeah, uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to expand on his, you know, oh, yeah, the please. neighbors think that we're poor. <laughs> when we first moved into our house, we bought it out of foreclosure, and it was uh, extremely dumpy looking. And the neighbor across the street, it had been a rental before we were there, and the neighbor across the street asked, oh, did, are you renting it or did you buy it? And I said, oh, we bought it. And she said, oh, good for you. Like it was, you know, our first purchase or something. Starter like home. It was like our starter home. And, and I'm like, yeah, we sold a uh, twice the size house for them to buy this one. It, it was a more expensive house. We always haven't been on the right path, but it, we had a house... It was like 4,200 square feet or something like that. Just ridiculous. And 
we're way happier in our neighborhood with nice neighbors instead of uh, that big house. We don't we miss nothing about that. No, we we don't miss that house at all. In fact, we moved there. So we were on the the bigger, better track. We used to flip houses to get, you know, we we buy this house for a small amount of money, repair it, rehab it, sell it for more money, and move into the next one, and on and on and on. And we we got up to where we wanted to be. We thought we wanted to live on the lake in Madison, Wisconsin, and we thought it was awesome. Mm -hmm. And we had this amazing house and then we decided we are going to move to Colorado because Madison, Wisconsin is colder let's say cold (laughs) I don't want to say colder than a well digger's ass Um, so we we left Wisconsin, we moved to Colorado we did a, a really quick house search when we were in Colorado and we found the house we wanted it had, it was, you know, the big 4,000 square foot house and it had, everybody had their own bedroom and everybody had their own bathroom and it was awesome and amazing and wonderful. And Mr. 1500 worked in the bathroom of our bedroom because it was like, I don't know, 8,000 square feet. Um, <laughs> and his office was, he actually had a separate office in addition to all these bedrooms and bathrooms. And it was made out, the, the flooring right outside of that was, anyway, it doesn't matter. He worked in the bathroom because it was easier for him. And we looked, we were there for two weeks, the perfect house. And we were there for two weeks and we're like, let's move back to Wisconsin because we hate this neighborhood so much. Really? There was some unwritten rule that everybody was having a contest who could show that they're spending the most money, who could just throw money out of their windows and paint their house every year and buy a brand new car every year and get all new clothes and have the latest phone every single time it was updated and, 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 and it, once we got out of that neighborhood, we lost money on the house, and we were so happy to throw that money away on, you know, the realtor fees and, and all sorts of things. We were happy to let it go just to be happy. That's great. In this tiny little house that we have now. It, it was a slightly painful lesson financially, but the best life lesson ever. That's, a, that's exactly what happened with us. We just sold our house in Vermont over the winter, and... I honestly would have given it away if somebody, if somebody came up to me and said, I'll give you $5 for it. <laughs> I, the stress that I was going through was not worth any amount of money. And I was like, I don't care what happens. You can take it. Wait, you sold a house in Vermont in the winter? Yes. It, they closed on the house on December 23rd. And then January was like negative 20 the entire. And we were living in Scotland at the time. So every morning I would wake up and just see my money flowing out of this house windows in the cold Vermont wilderness and I was like 3,000 miles away and I couldn't even enjoy the heat that was pumping out my windows and it was just, it was the worst. So that is a a good call. Happiness over money every single time. That is such a true statement. Happiness over money every single time. And we, like I said, we lost $13,000 when we sold that house. And I I wrote, I wrote a blog post about that, happily losing $13,000. <laughs> and it was the best $13,000 I ever wasted in my life. <laughs> That's good. So you, I'm glad you brought up real estate. So how, how uh, did your real estate investing play a part in your path to FI? Um, is, did that really supercharge your savings? Uh, or was it just a, mainly just a side hobby? Um, yeah, we kind of stumbled upon that. So uh, I moved into an old house. It was a starter home. And we did some work to it, just some real simple work. And uh, as a result of part of the work and part of just the economy doing well at the time, we made about $100,000 on the sale at home. And the other thing is we discovered the uh, IRS rule where if you live in a home for two, year, two of the past five years and own it for two of the past five years, you don't have to pay capital gains. So we started doing living flips where we would move into a, an old house, uh, fix it up over the course of, of a year or two, and then sell it, and then reap all that. So, yeah, it set us ahead decades. It was the start of our... It was the start of everything. We invested the money. We bought bigger houses and kept on doing it. How many? We did it probably five times. I think we did five or six. Wow. Yeah. That's... It, it's, impo- it's good for single young people or young people or young couples, but we don't do this anymore because. It's we... really difficult when you're living in a house that's, you know, covered in drywall dust and sure. there's open wires and nails everywhere. And then you've got a baby. $100,000 trumps drywall dust and electrical shocks every once in a while. <laughs> Unless you have a baby. <laughs> it builds character. <laughs> Unless you have a baby. <laughs> for the baby, yeah. That's, yeah, so that's. Just that, cry for a minute. 
<laughs> this actually, yeah, I, I'm going to be quiet. So that's, that's no actually, children were harmed in the flipping of any of our homes. So that's an amazing strategy, though. So that uh, is that must be the most tax efficient strategy for building wealth with real estate. Is, is there any other? There's, there's the, what's the, the swap? I'm, I'm not. There's the 1031 exchange. Yeah, the exchange. What I don't know about the 1031 exchange, you could just about squeeze into the Grand Canyon. I mean, I don't know squat about mm-hmm. that. Um, Brandon Turner does, but he's over there chatting with somebody else. I know we have so many experts in the room. There, that this is such an amazing their, place. We're know, still at FinCon. I, I guess know. we started. We're not going <laughs> to stop halfway through. I know. Um, so yeah, there's real estate professional of, investors everywhere, and it's crazy. Yeah, and that's an investment tool. Like if you own an apartment building and then you want to sell it, you can take those proceeds and put it into another apartment building and avoid taxes. But there's certain timeframes and there's certain rules and certain rules. There's like pages and thousands of hundreds of billions of rules. So, and then you'll eventually get taxed. It's not whereas what you're saying, right? Exactly. Tax tax free, which is amazing. You just get to grow our money. So what we would do is we would do the flip and then take the money out. And sometimes we would have another house to buy and sometimes we wouldn't. And when we didn't have another house to buy immediately, we would just put that into the stock market and let it grow there and then pull it out again and put it back into the, uh, Real estate. Didn't we do that between uh, Illinois and Wisconsin? Um, yes. <laughs> and there you are. Could you please elaborate? So, yeah, so, so that is an amazing strategy. And I, I, even though the most stressful times in my life were selling houses, like honestly, the 100 times more stressful than anything else I've ever gone through. And every time I sell one, I'm like, I'm never buying a house again. I still get drawn to it so much. And that strategy is perfect because then you can I, I like tax avoidance uh, I like much. tax yeah I've heard you like tax avoidance <laughs> yeah. um, for those of you not familiar with with uh, mad scientists what what did you read like the whole tax code and like convert it to English or something <laughs> yeah for I, one post exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that that's an excellent strategy and I'm glad we uh, touched on it um, so yeah I ask all my guests um, if they had one piece of advice for somebody who's hoping to achieve financial independence one day, what would it be? Yeah, that's very easy for me. It's just to know the long-term cost of buying something. I always hear people say like, oh, this car only costs me $10,000 or this only costs this much. And that's a very dangerous thing to say, especially if you're young. And I'll use my own example. We've made mistakes and one of them was buying new cars. So uh, that old Honda Element we bought in 2003 for $19,600, I look at what it would have been, what that money would have been worth now if I just put it in the in the index fund, the Hallmark and Index Fund, and it's over $50,000. I think it was last time I checked. I know the economy's been shaky, but that's a lot of money. And we're young. That's going to be hundreds of thousands of dollars over the course of our life. So just to think about every dollar that goes out and make sure you're using it in the most efficient way possible. And I would say just figure out what makes you happy. I think it's the people around us. Going back to this neighborhood that Mrs. 1500 mentioned a couple minutes ago, I knew we had to move when our five-year-old child was out playing and another five-year-old child came up to our child and said, how many American Girl dolls do you have? And our child was like, what's an American Girl doll? And the other kid's like, uh, and walked out. And, and right then, in my head, I'm, I said, we have to move. I cannot raise my children around people with this value system. So it could be hard to find, but I, it's worthwhile. For those of you who don't know, the American Girl doll costs like $100, and every outfit is like $75, and her shoes are $20, and we don't have American Girl dolls because we're cheap. That is insane. They're I had no idea what an American Girl doll was. So. <laughs> and how about you, Mrs. 1500? Um, start early. I recently did some uh, research into compound interest, and I think Mr. F- you wrote the magic doubling penny. Mr. Fifteen Hundred. Don't read that post. post. It's uh, very poor. Do you do show notes? Yes. Uh, okay. All so of this we'll will put be a in the link notes. to the show notes and the magic doubling penny. And it, it, what it is is uh, his teacher asked him once, you know, would you rather have what was it, a million dollars today, or a penny doubled every day for a month? And, of course, if you don't know how to do math, as I don't, you take the million dollars. But if you do, if you, you take that doubling penny and you, you know, extrapolate it out, and Mr. 1500 actually did this day by day by day, you end up with, what, like in a 31-day month, it's like $5 million or $10 million or something like that. Even yep. a 28-day month is like $2 million. So, 
you know, start early and save and you don't need to keep up with fashion trends and, you know, don't start saving until you've paid off your debt. But then once you're debt free, start saving like crazy. Yeah, that, that Honda Civic that you drove around in college still drives the exact same way and gets you to point A and B after you graduate from college. I, every college person in my family, as soon as they graduate, the first thing they do is get a new car. Like, oh, why did you do that? My heart hurts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, we, and we've only bought two new cars ever. And I, we were pretty old when we – How was, that was a 2003. So um, <clears throat> 12 years ago, 13 years, 13 years ago, 12 years 12. ago. I was right the first time. Twelve years ago was the first time we bought a brand new car. And those of you who can see us, we were 18. Thank you, Mr. Fuglewood. <laughs> you just got your license. My favorite person. We had just gotten our licenses. <laughs> just passed um, your test. Uh, no, what were we, like 30? How old are we now? Twelve years ago? Yeah, we were like 30. So, um, you know, to not buy a brand new car until you're 30, we had paid off all of our debt. And we were investing and then this car came out. I, it's a Honda Element and that's the coolest car on the planet according to me. So I wanted one and we bought one. And you know, it's $19,000 and yeah, it's worth what? $100,000 in retirement, but it's only $19,000. I didn't go out and buy a $50,000 mm-hmm. car. So, you know. Yeah. Start early and then rationalize your spending. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we uh, we just bought our favorite car that we've ever owned and it's a 2006 Honda Jazz, which is like a European version of a Honda Fit. Yeah, I think. Um, and yeah, it gets like 60 miles a gallon, 50 to 60 miles a gallon. It costs like $3,400. And we both, Jill and I, just love it. It's just like the best little car ever. Um, but yeah, it, buying a new car and keeping it forever is not a bad way to go, if it, especially a Honda Element. So It's better than leasing. Absolutely. And um, so your savings rate throughout, what would you say your savings rate was, you know, throughout the last maybe five years of your your working? You guys just save a ton or? Well, it's difficult to really pinpoint that because we were flipping houses and Mm. we were, we would get a mortgage on the property when we purchased it, but then we would pretty much pay cash for the, um, for the repairs. So we weren't, we weren't paying cash. We were churning credit cards to get points so we (laughs) could go for free places, but um so, yeah, right right now, I think in our most efficient life, now that we're not doing that, we save at least 75%. Nice. It's significant. And our life isn't a compromise. We're, we're very happy. It's uh, So you feel like you can spend on anything you want? Yeah. We're, we go on vacations. Uh, we go out to eat occasionally. We're not crazy people who have uh, holes in all our clothes. And um, You're going to come visit yes, us in Scotland? You're going to come visit? Yes, you do. <laughs> so Mr. 1500, or maybe I wrote about this, he's got 11 billion T-shirts. <laughs> and here at this FinCon convention, everybody was giving out a T-shirt, and he made it his goal in life to get every single one. Mission accomplished. We're taking home 15 more T-shirts. <laughs> that is my entire wardrobe is conference T-shirts. I know Jill and I had a conversation about how you guys both collectively have too many T-shirts, and um, some of them just may walk away. <laughs> <laughs> that would Some be of Mr. Travesty. 1500's clothes that he can't find anymore. Gosh, I don't know what happened to those. <laughs> yeah, that would be a disaster. Just hide them. Um, well, so nothing where can means every- anything. Yeah, so where can everybody find you guys? Where, If they want to get in touch and learn all about the 1500 lifestyle, which is amazing to read about. I love, there's so many incredible posts <laughs> that you rant about. Your family members, your neighbors—it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's the most entertaining blog I read. So, <laughs> and that is why we're anonymous. Yes, that is why we're anonymous, so we can talk crap about our neighbors <laughs> and your um, family and our family. And we still, you know, we still anonymize them as well. Ruby's name isn't really Ruby. Oh no. Um, so our blog is 1500days.com. One five zero zero d a y s dot com. I am on Twitter at at Mrs. 1500. He is on Twitter at retire in 1500. And then what are we on Facebook? I forgot. Um, I think it says facebook.com slash 1500 days. And I don't think we do Pinterest or Periscope or any of that other business yet. I just learned about all this stuff this week, so I got to figure that out. Yeah, I'll have all those links in the show notes so you guys can just come and click and go see the the wild world they live in. And uh, I just want to thank you both so much. This has been a terrifying interview for me. Um, I'm used to being in my room, quiet, nobody looking at me, and then I spend like 20 hours editing all my nonsense questions and re-recording them. So 
the fact that you guys got on the stage with me in front of all these people that are smarter than me and <laughs> intimidating. And now, I'm going to jump in here and say that I don't think there's very many people here that are smarter than you. Oh, well, I mean, is... Mr. 1500, of course, I have to say that. But that is very kind. You are, you are pretty brilliant. Um, do you tell people that you write Ruby on Rails? Do you I, tell people that? I don't know so if I So for those but... of you non uh, computer guys, that's a really cool language that all websites are written in, and everybody on earth who needs a Ruby programmer can't find one because they're in such hot demand. And we're all retiring early. And they're all retiring <laughs> early because they make ridiculous <laughs> wads. Oh, are you, are you, oh, Mr. Frugalwoods is also Mr. a Ruby Frugal. on Rails. And I'm going to start a Ruby on Rails consulting company, and I'm going to make bank. <laughs> And yeah, speaking of Frugalwoods, I just nailed them for uh, an upcoming podcast, so uh, you will be hearing from Mr. and Mrs. Frugalwoods. Um, we've drank too much beer together this weekend to not, ha- <laughs> not have a really good conversation. Throat medicine. So. <laughs> medicine. <laughs> so, so yeah, thank you very much to the 1500s and for bringing Pliny the Elder, which for all the beer geeks out there will know uh, how actually amazing that is that we're having that right now. It's kind of a thank you for bringing the heady topper last year. Mm. <laughs> I know my heady topper supply is now gone because I live in Scotland, but the frugal woods will be moving to Vermont soon and we will now have a new hookup. So, so yeah, thank you guys so much. Uh, it's been very scary, but very amazing. So <laughs> yeah, well, thank you too. We're, we're completely thrilled that we finally got to put this together. It's been a absolutely. long time in the making. Yeah, thank you for having us. This was a lot of fun. And you don't seem nervous. Good. Like, you don't sound nervous. <laughs> well, uh, this is another side story, but I, I just got interviewed for a Radical Personal Finance podcast, so you'll have to check that out because my voice is so destroyed from talking so much this weekend that I my voice broke about seven times during it, and it sounded <laughs> like I was going through puberty. So I'm glad that didn't happen. It, did ha- it happened right at the beginning at, of this episode, but... Uh, it, it wasn't as bad as it was. I took a throat lozenge, so now just we can just drink out. and not worry about our voices. So there you go. All right, thank you very much, guys. See ya. Thank, thank you. Finance. Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners five seven zero seven two six sixty two hundred. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners. Also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today. 570-726-6200.